On this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by music industry veteran, Mr. Paul Porter. Uh, he's had over a 40 plus year career in the industry, um, getting his start in radio in the early 70s. Uh, we also talk about the fact of why he, he got to start in radio, he was introduced to uh, Wendy Williams. He built a relationship with her early on in her career, as well as um, a lady by the name of Sylvia Rohn. And for those of you guys who don't know Sylvia Rohn, she's probably, right now, the biggest female uh, head of a label that we know in um, the record industry right now. Uh, we also talk about how he ended up at BET, as well as um, why he left BET, to also, why he's also really big on education and and, and telling the truth. Um, and that led to him writing a book called Blackout, my 40 plus years uh, in, the, in the music business. And also too, why that also is the reason why a lot of artists struggle. So we cover a lot of different topics in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome to episode 8 of the Encourage Inspire podcast. Man, we got a treat today. We have an industry veteran. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to connect to, to this to this awesome guy, Mr. Paul Porter. How you doing? Man, I'm good. It's always good to connect with people, man. And I've been following your moves. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of social media. Exactly. Exactly. But the real beauty is when you finally connect with people. Exactly. And get to talk and build. You know, exactly. it's okay to see a picture and say, Yo, I do this, but that's why I try to talk to everybody because I know people that were receptionists that are CEOs now. So exactly. <laughs> treat everyone with respect, with, uh, courtesy and respect. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. And we and we both in Central Florida, not too far from each other. Yeah, yeah, but you rich, man. You live in a big city. I'm in the suburbs, man. <laughs> hey, man. You know, the, you know the beautiful thing about the industry today, Paul, is that I'm able to, I feel like somebody like myself, because I serve the 99% of the independent artists out here, I'm a, I'm more vi- I'm a lot more viable in today's ecosystem because I'm affordable, right? I, I, yeah. You know, somebody, you know, I had this lady, cha- she challenged me. A couple of weeks ago, she said, well, do you consider yourself an industry professional because you never worked for a label? I said, yeah, absolutely I do. <laughs> you know, because somebody like me in today's ecosystem is way more viable now. Yeah, but we 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 often get so confused at chasing, like, I call them the public success and the private failures. Yeah. Like we, we, we think that to make it, and there's so many people doing business, taking care of their families, opening yeah. up doors, and they don't have platinum records. They right. might tour the world. They might have mechanicals and licensing and be the silent millionaire. But right. it, there's so many ways. We just get caught up with the the pictures and the cars. But Exactly, man. And, you and, know, and, there's so many components in this business to make money, to do it with, you know, pride, 
and, and do something positive and leave some legacy. Exactly. And about. Exactly. And I've, I've often told people, like, if you look at my situation, you know, this podcast is I cover three things. I cover what it's like to live with a disability, either myself or people I know. Right. Uh, topics that cover the music business to help independent creatives. And the third thing is, is people's stories that encourage and inspire me. You know, so those those are one. So each episode is one of those three things. And I feel yeah. like I feel like for myself, having cerebral palsy and the fact is there's nobody in the space like me doing what I'm doing and have the relationships and the respect that I have with the industry professionals. And yeah. so can nobody take that away from me? You know? Yeah, but that's why everybody's important, bro. Yeah, we, we, we you know. And it's funny, I hear all these comparisons, like, why? This is this like second generation of folks owning their businesses and building. Like, this yeah. is new for black and brown people, a lot of this. Right. So everybody's some trailblazers, you know? Right. And I've been lucky enough, I started in the 70s and seeing the transition from the 80s and the beginning of hip hop and R&B and soul, and then yeah. the 90s. <laughs> And then the gangster takeover, right? And then this streaming craze—it's <laughs> right. been a blessing. You, you see it all. All these changes, yeah. And I hear so many voices talking, mm -hmm. but you know, there's real. There's a difference between talk and action. Absolutely, and knowing your weakness is your strength. Absolutely. Until, until we all work and educate ourselves and build on those weaknesses, we'll never be strong. For sure. For sure. So. Uh, well, I want to start, man. It's, it's like, I know you originally from New York. So am I. I was born in New York, born in Brooklyn. All my family's still there. But I obviously, I grew up here in Florida. But you know, talk to me about how you got started in music. Like, what drew you to music and, and man, some of you your know, early memories? It's funny. In my book, man, there's, there was a point when I was 11 years old and I knew that music was so empowering. I right. grew up in Jamaica, Queens. Right. And back then, you know, that was like, and I can't say it was hood. It was a great black neighborhood where families all looked out for each other. If you walked up the street, Miss Jacob would say something. But back then, jobs were sort of like you either became a postman, a fireman, a policeman, went to the service. Right. We didn't have the word entrepreneur. You right. Know, you, you get it. You get a job and a good job. And, and you work for 40 years blessed. and retire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something <laughs> with the pension. Yeah. And, yep. and that you can get your credit right. Yeah. But I was lucky enough. Two guys, two parents in my block were in the music industry. OK. And a guy named Bill Staten took me under his wing. I'm the godchild for his grandson. He passed away and he worked at Atlantic Records. Okay. And my best friend's father divorced his mom and married Nina Simone. Oh, wow. So they used to spend weekends at Nina Simone's house in the 60s. And then in the 70s, Mr. Stroud took me up to RCA Records when I was in high school. And he was signing a deal with the main ingredient. Okay. And that's Cuba Gooding, the actor that most people know's dad, the Cuba oh, Gooding senior. Really? You know, he was okay. In, yeah, and they had a t number one record. And 
you know, it just led to things. I went to college in Boston. Yeah. Got on a college radio station that changed my life. Changed the station from a, a, a rock and roll station at Northeastern to all black radio station when I became program director and folks like Wendy Williams, a guy named Jay Dixon, Darius Walker, who was the bureau chief at CNN. So many people, Mike Shannon, who's on Sirius, Diana King. So many people came out of that station and I'm real proud of that. It brought me to DC and Donnie Simpson and KYS and BET. I got my own video show then. You know, it, it's been a long ride. I've been doing this 43 years, but it's always about being open to new things. Absolutely. Because everything changes. Yeah. You know, I remember when, you know, I had that Sky Pager and okay. thought Sky Pagers were the world. And you saw how quick and obsolete they went. Then cell phones and so I, I've been a student in this game, and it's always the people that are forward thinking right. that a couple of years ahead of the curve are ones that, you know, are going to be groundbreaking and, you know, shake some things up. That's that's what I'm talking about, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you said you, said you obviously came to you. You met Wendy Williams early on. like So did you think she was going to be what she ended up becoming as far as an icon? No, Wendy's always had it, you know. Yeah. I mean, she did her research. She, she liked gossip. She found a lane. It was a dangerous lane at the time, you know, because <laughs> yeah. Wendy and, and and she she's done incredible things. She yeah. got out of radio at the right time. Right. She did transition to television. <laughs> you know, this game is about timing. You know? Right. And, and that's why I talk about all the time. I haven't made the right moves. I've been homeless, broke oh, down, you know, after having great jobs. Right. But emotionally, I got tied to some of these jobs. Right. And it's the same that that touched me. I've been saying it ever since I heard it. If you're not at the table, you'll be on the menu. So if you work at <laughs> yeah, some operation, I don't care how good you are. Somebody in that boardroom is figuring out a way to slice their budget and slice you or you get too old. So we we can't take it seriously. I mean, we can take it seriously, but not personally. Right. They're, they're businesses and and hopefully a lot of us are going to become more owners in this. Yeah. Because when we do, we control our image and our culture. And right. right now, corporate America is controlling the culture. They're Everything. telling us when to twerk, when to riot, <laughs> when to get upset. You know, it's, you know, if you follow news, like, you know, I remember one weekend there were like 24 people shot dead in Chicago. Right. Oh, that wasn't like a national story because it was blacks, black folks killing black folks. Right. You know, we, we go to all different levels with the press and they sort of tell us and we believe we believe the hype a lot of times. I agree. I agree. A lot of times, you know, the people always say, oh, well, black black people. Oh, black on black on black, black on black crime is. Is in a is in um oh that's just something that people make up no pe at the end of the day man people people kill based off their proximity man of of who's around them you know what I mean nobody's no no black person 
is going to go or no white person is going to go to, you know, the black neighborhoods on purpose to to, to rob them. They're going to rob the closest people to them. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? We're, still seg- we're so segregated in this country. And yeah, there are a couple of dots here and there. But, you know, like that, they say 11 o'clock on Sunday, you'll see how segregated this country is when when it comes to church. I, oh, yep. <laughs> you know, go around 11 o'clock on a Sunday and you'll see what the racial demographic is in your city. You know, Absolutely. black folks are with black folks and white folks. And, and of course, there's a little mismatch, but and, and it's no hate to the system. It's just yeah. understanding life's not fair. You nope. know, we, we got to work a little harder. It's like I call it a zip code mentality. Like you got to get out of that zip code mentality or you'll stay in that zip code. Yeah. You know, that's the number one factor of what you're going to do in life where you're born. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like yep. most people going to wind up in the neighborhood and do the same thing. And, you know, when I would think of it over my life, yeah, Dennis and Vincent and Denise and some of the people I grew up with. Or still in their parents' houses in yeah. Queens. And I'm talking about they've been in them houses since the 50s, but they yep. passed them generations on. And, of course, the neighborhood's changing like they always do. They right. always move us around. But right. anyway. No, that's real. That's real, man. I mean, I think what you, I told, I think what you did in your story, you just took advantage of opportunity. And I think, I think that's the major thing in this business, right? Like, you know, because this is all relationships, man. And, and when and you got to see an opportunity to take advantage of that, because people don't realize this industry is small. It ain't even because all the people you all the people you grew up early on with have a lot of them have become me- mega players in this game. Look, and, the first person I met on my first internship at 1090 WILD Boston, I'm in college <laughs> and it was Sylvia Roan and Ruben Rodriguez. It was her first day. Uh, being a record rep for Casablanca <laughs> Records, and I was an intern. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, it's 42 years later. She's the president of Epic Records and probably the biggest black woman in the business. Exactly. And yeah. I still can call her, you know? So that's how some of this works. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the people, and, and I've seen them come and go too, have five, 10 great years. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing something completely different. And that's what's painful because yeah. this industry doesn't pay, you know? Oh, it doesn't, though. It yeah, there's doesn't. a couple of superstars, but I'm lucky I just started getting a pension, you know, because back in my day, the early days of radio, right. I was working at NBC and BLS. Right. And those were union shops. Right. And, and they put away for a pension. And they used to send me the letters after I got vested in the union. And I never thought about it, but a couple of extra grand a month when you turn 62 is a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, right. Yeah. Hey. But they don't do that. Like my son's in this industry. Right. He, he works at quality control. You think they pay a pension? No. Nah. Nope. Nope. Yeah. You know, you think you get health benefits and all, you know, nope. some of the important things for the family. So, right. You know, right. There, there's a business side of the music business. And if and it's OK to have a hobby. All right. Right. right but if right. you want to do this as a business, you got to think like a business, make plans like a business 
and make moves like a business and dedicate time and invest in yourself. Exactly. Like I said, I started doing uh, national voiceovers in the 90s. Right. First big spot I booked, six words, AT&T. It's all within your reach. You know what? Here it is, 30-something years later, I'm still taking voice lessons. Right. Why? Because I want to be better. And because the person I take him with is a casting coach. Right. And, and he's the door opener in a lot of situations. And, and and if you can't invest in yourself, who's going to invest in you? Exactly. So sometimes I, I think, you know, we need different pieces or in that inner circle. And it used to be going to a conference, but now it can be on a Zoom meeting with Darrell where I can build, you know? Exactly. So there, there's no excuses. And some of the rooms I've been in on Clubhouse. Yeah. And talking to people. Right. And building relationships. There's no excuses, man. Right. I, not focus. I think that I think that app has definitely um like like you like I'm gonna be saying one time, it's nothing new, it's not a new concept. It's just the way that and I think it got launched or I, I think it got popular at the right time because everybody's home, right? I don't think yeah. this probably would have worked if the, we weren't in COVID because people were just moving around and and things like that, but because people were parked at home, it's like, well, yeah, better. But it's a part of everybody's night, even if you're around in the day. It's yeah. probably, I've spent the most time on that app out of all the years of Facebook and Instagram. You, you know what I mean? If you yeah. can sit in a room for two or three hours and talk to people, and it could be six people in the room, I don't have to be in a room with 500 people or 5,000 right. people. Right. And, and some of the best things happen. I agree. Little relationship. And over time, like I started, I was in a room the first day, Dead Mouse. I didn't know yeah. who Dead Mouse was. Right. You know, some of the cats in the room, Dead Mouse is here. And yo, he's one of the biggest guys in the EDM world selling yeah. NFTs. Yeah. Like a month ago, Dead Mouse called me and said, Yo, Paul, I want to use your voice on the video game and on my radio shows around the country. And it just yeah. came from talking in a room. I didn't ask him for work. Exactly. But, but you know, if you talk to somebody five times a week at 4 a.m. about crazy stuff, all of a sudden you build. You right. Know? And, and it's happened on so many occasions on this app with no. people I normally wouldn't get a chance to talk to. Right. And that's why I go in every room, you know. Right. Hear what the topic is and the energy. So. Exactly. And again, that's how we connect. You know, that's exactly yeah. how we connected. And it's, it, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing about the way relationships, you know, the reason why I wanted to get into the music industry. So I had to figure out for me, I love people and relationships. That's what I'm great at. And I think at the core of this space that we're in of the music space, that's what that's really what it comes down to. Right. If you can build relationships and you go with people you have a chance to be successful in this industry because it's all people and relationships at the end of the day, yeah, no you doubt. know? So that's one of the things that really attracted me to the industry, to the industry. And then uh, being the fact that I could not be in a major city like LA or Atlanta or Miami or because of my disability, I kind of had to stay in Orlando. I said, okay, well, how can I make the biggest impact? And for me, that was, I want, I want to work with beginner level 
or ground level are artists who need my education and knowledge and expertise. And I think that's where I've been able to see my opportunities thrive. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that, so I, and I've been able to connect the way I look at it is the one percenters is the make the one percenters. They good. Right. That, but they don't make up the majority of the marketplace. It's the not, it's the independent artists that make up the majority of the marketplace. And so people are chasing record deals now. And it's just like that their record labels are finishers. As you know, they don't start, they finish now. You know, you you got to start. Yeah, that's been them for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so but I like the fact that I'm able to I'm connected globally around the world. I have several relationships, and that allows me to be viable. And that's all I could ever be. They always say you want to be success. You want to be successful. Be think about being more viable than anything. The more viable you are, opportunities gonna come. Yeah, and, and would, you gotta think outside the box. I had a number one record in Dubai. Right. You know how it happened from sending an email. <laughs> and you know what that led to? Getting a deal with Universal. Wow. You know, and, and it's just thinking outside of this box. Like we keep chasing these same, looking at other people's stories. Right. And, and, <laughs> and it's, sometimes you got to build your own. About five years ago, my, my, my young cousin came to me. His name is Chris Porter. Right. He had a song, The Water Dance with Pitbull. Okay. Well, he said, look, man, I know I got a hit song, but I said, Chris, you got to have some hit money so we can launch this. <laughs> so guess what he did? I told him how much. About 30 days later, he studied Kickstarter. He made up prizes, made up a great video. 30 days later, he had $25,000. Right. We took the 25 grand. We did a video with Trisha Miranda, okay. who's an influencer and choreographer, had a show on MTV, flew out, did a video, a dance video with her dancers that'll all have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and YouTube. Right. It blew up. It did like 30 million in the first month. And oh, it wow. just led to everything. You know, NFL players doing it, but it was a dance record. But right. we thought outside the box, we couldn't buy radio, but right. we, we did Orlando, Tampa, Miami, and New York, where Chris was from. Right. And the record picked up. And, you know, here it is 100 million streams later, five years later. Right. But it just came from taking a chance. Yeah. And we paid $9,000 to do the video, flew out there for 24 hours and got on the red eye and came back to save money. Right. And, and but it was coming up with the plan. Yeah. And Chris came, you know, cause I always tell folks real fans spend money. Yeah. You know, so don't <laughs> tell me when, when folks tell you they like stuff, there's a difference when they buy stuff. Oh, when they Paul, buy your merch. Paul, you, you hit something that I always preach. Right. So to me, you've heard me say this before. It's all about building community. When you build community, right? And then within that community, it's about now finding your core audience because you really don't need a large following to make a decent living in this business, right? You you just need a core. It's people who want to spend money with you. You know, yeah. and, and truth is, you got you to gotta tear off your, your fans. Every fan you have, you like, you like all of them, but the ones who spend money with you, you're going to treat a little bit different. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. 
exactly. You know, I mean, the ones who are spending money actively with you, you, you owe it to them to treat them and give them a little bit more access to you. Yeah, those those, those likes on IG are different <laughs> from the comments. Exactly. From the folks that are going to spend money. People are oh. going to give you a like when you do a crazy video. Exactly. Exactly. But they're not going to spend money with you because you had a great visual. You right. Know, so. And that's so where the data comes in, right? So when you see the data of who's actually spending money, so one, so I use a platform called Superphone. Are you, have you heard of that? Yeah. Ryan uh, Leslie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my artist, Xavier Keys, that I manage out of Chicago, he's built his whole following on Superphone. He has like 7,000 people in his funnel right now, 7,000 conversations of real people. So the first album he put out in 2015, he's, the first two days the album was out, he sold 300 albums, direct the fan. You know what I mean? So the beautiful thing about that platform of Superphone is it shows you who spends money with you. So you really know who your number one supporters are. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about the data, right? Right. That, you know, you really know people can't just tell you, oh, I'm your number one fan. Oh, really? Let me go look at my system and see how much money you spent to me, spent with me, you know, lifetime, you know, and that's where they're going to tell me how much you really support me. Yeah, but no they doubt. can't fool you now. You know, if you have the systems to have the data that you need and the data is going to drive your business, your, your decision making. You know, it used to be that you would get hot in your city and work your way out. Right. Back in the day. But now it's like your audience can be because of the Internet can be in Asia somewhere. You might be here in the yeah. Florida and your audience is in a whole nother country. So it yeah. may not even make sense to be doing shows locally or actively doing shows around the states when your audience isn't even here. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? and, and some of that show stuff is funny. I was in a room earlier and I guess Benzino had something over the weekend in Miami. Right. And they rode down from North Carolina and all the artists paid $350 to be on the showcase. And it's this pain me. I was like, what you, Wrote down to be in a, a semi yeah. in our room, and you three people spent $350. You paid for the conference, and what did you learn? Like, right. you could have made more hookups in Clubhouse by watching YouTube, but right, that's part of the game. Oh, you yeah, know, I started a site called raprehab.com okay 12 years ago, okay. And there's two sections on there. I tell folks to go to brain food and do it yourself. And I posted some of the best articles about how to own your stuff and making a plan. Because most people in this music game, they're great at music. They're terrible at paper. Yeah. The paper chase takes paperwork. And if they don't have any business done, the chances. And what happens when you do have that hit and you're not ready to capitalize. Exactly. It's like the worst. Which is thing. which is like, why I've always told people, like people who try to go viral off TikTok or they go on these reality shows, right? The the voice or, you know, I've never been a real I've never been a fan of a lot of those shows um in the past because I don't think a lot of people know how to capitalize off of being on the voice or being on some of these other shows or going viral off TikTok and then not having the infrastructure to be able to Hardest all of that. And then, okay, so you're viral. How do you build a career off that? You know what I mean? And most people don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why it's, this is the only, the music business is the only pe- place 
where people think they don't have to learn. At like they bingo. Get with, with, with somebody hot and all of a sudden the paperwork's going to be right and they're going to be paid. Yeah, and they're gonna be million, but it never I, happens. I always right. Exactly. I always say that every, when you want to go be a lawyer, gotta go to law school. When you go be the real estate agent, gotta go to real estate school. Doctor, so on and so forth. Music and entertainment is the only industry where you don't need to have a license or something that tells you, okay, I'm ready, I'm qualified. We have a lot of people who just get into this, and they're not qualified. They're not really qualified to be here. You know, yeah. as they don't uh-huh. get the education that's required. And there's a, edu- there's a special education that you need to be successful in this industry. And if you're not willing to go out there and get that education, you can't complain when you're not, when you don't become successful. Cause you're not willing to take the time and, and, to learn. And I got to admit, man, I've been spending a lot of time in Orlando. Okay. And I'm sort of, really upset at how the music scene here works. Like the unity is like, yeah, well, I'll say this. So, are, are you familiar with the fusion showcase? Have you heard about no. that? Okay. I so Fusion showcase it. is run by my friend, Jennifer H desire. She won. She lives out in Atlanta now. Uh, Cause she, she took a job with uh, LVRN, the label in Atlanta, but her company is based here. So she does a major showcase every like every other month, it's probably the top showcase, okay. you know, a top artist showcase in Orlando, right? And it's a real professional event. She brings A and R, she brings label people out, and it. She, what she really wanted to create was something that allows Orlando-based acts or Central Florida-based acts to come and be a part of a professional event. And it's it's at Sound Bar, it used to be the what okay. they call Back yeah. Booth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that place is packed. Like they, she just had a show last month. I was at place is packed. She brought, okay. you know, and what she's been able to do, like, so there is a lot of great things going on in the city, but it took a while. I've been in the music scene in Orlando since 2004. So I know what it used to look like. I know what it looks like now. And I'll say this, it's in a much better space. You know, we're never okay. going to be, you know, we're never going to be Atlanta. We're never going to be, cause we can't, we can't be, we don't have what Atlanta has or some yeah, of the other. But there's still a lot here. I just there is, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I just don't know the, the big local voice yet that, you know, yeah, you know, somebody, you know, yeah. I got here and everybody said, you got to talk to dog man, you know? Yeah. And then that's one type of thing. And there's, there's more than that, you know, there's, right. There's more than the party scene. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the activism side and the, the building team. Right. You know, I know there's always pockets, but like, like where do people go to get that first shot here? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, the 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 future showcase is probably, I would say, the the top one here. And then we have some other events like my man Moxie. He did the Superfest, which was not last year, but the year before that, which is Orlando's first. You know how we used to have Florida Music Festival out here. We used to have the Florida yeah, Music Festival, uh-huh. and that went away. And then and then he was he did the. Um, Superfest, which is all Orlando-based acts, right? No major oh. headliner at the Camping World Stadium, wow. right? Where the, at the old Citrus Bowl. So, like that was pretty cool because that had never been done before. That's something like that with Orlando-based act. Because you know how it is when people come to Orlando, they think, "Oh, well, we can't make it here because who's the last, who's the last major artist to really come out of Orlando that people really remember?" You know, I mean, obviously you had Smiles and South Star. 
in the early 2000s. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's it? Well, no, well, as far as the, the major. So you had Smiley's House Star. After that, I'm trying to think. Um, you had Caskey. You know, there's been a few. I can't remember all of them, but there's been a few that have come out of our city. But again, nobody's really reached... You know, obviously, these used to be this used to be a pop scene in the nineties, and you had insane yeah. Backstreet Boys, all that. But in the urban space, there there's been some. You know, there's been some. Okay. But I think, but I think it's just a lot of it just flies under the radar a lot of times. You know, so I think that's you. That's kind of been the the main thing. Like you said, we don't have as much unity as we need to in this city. We don't come together enough. You know, we don't yeah. like we need to have a lot more unity in our city and understand that Orlando. Is I mean we have one of the top producers here, AO the producer. Yeah, did Cardi B Wap? You know, yeah, did uh, a lot of huge records. He's based, he's based right here in Orlando, right here. Yeah, you know, and he said, you know, and his story is cool because his brother has a disability, same disability as myself, and he was telling me a, he was telling the story one time about he was out with in L.A. with with hitmaker Young Berg. And he felt back if he's out there like chasing his dream. And then his mom and dad was out here struggling, trying to take care of the, his brother with a disability. And he felt real bad about that. He's like, look, man, if I can't come and do it here in Orlando, I'm not going to do it. So he literally came back to Orlando and he set up shop here and wow. he built a studio. Oh, yeah. Like, so and he's got, I mean, he got hits on everybody right now. So, I yeah. mean, the fact, so, so and he has no intentions of leaving Orlando. He built a house. He's been in a house here. So it's not like he's uh, he's not like he's planned on leaving. So this is this is home base for him. So there's yeah. so much young talent in our city. I mean, when Jennifer does these showcases and she and she gets these artists, I'm like, where do you find these great these great talented people? Like, I never heard of them. So they here, okay. You know, they definitely yeah. here. But like you said, there's no quote unquote industry here. So I don't think there's yeah. a space where people know we're like, okay, we got this particular label got an office on this street and blase blase. We don't. We don't have that, you know. Uh, so I, like you said, I don't know if there's a, there's a, there's a, if you're looking for a shot or, or like you said, a, 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 a first start. There's not really no one real way for everybody to go. You kind of just have to find, find your pocket. You know, find a yeah. space that 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 works for you. You know, a lot of punk rock bands come out of here too. Yeah. Of, well, yeah. one of the biggest guys in the publishing game who's the head of Warner Worldwide, Aton ben Harin, he used to be here. Okay. In Orlando and a pop guy. He has a studio here, too. And if you look him up, he's the guy who signed Pharrell and everybody else. And he started here in Orlando, and now he's the king of global publishing at Warner. So, and yeah. he's, he's probably 40 years old. Yeah. And he's picking the culture yeah. not that he does it well but <laughs> <laughs> you know look man I, I, for me paul i have people like well, why don't you come to Atlanta?" like i don't have any desire to leave orlando i mean because for what i do i don't need to be in Atlanta. i don't need to be in some of the yeah. other cities i could do what i need to do right here now i'll go do what i gotta do like if i need to go to an event i get on the bus <laughs> take my butt right to atlanta do what i gotta do and come right back home yeah. <laughs> and that, that's you know I have no intentions of living in Atlanta or LA or any of these cities. Like I'm, this where I gotta be, and I've been able to make a way for myself. So, yeah. you know, 
you, you just you just got to figure it out. You just got to figure it out and do what you got to do. But a lot of to me, Paul, what happens to a lot of people, they go to these big industry cities and they get swallowed up. Yeah, because you know, this yeah, industry they, will swallow you. This industry will swallow you up, man, real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real yeah, quick. Pressure. The pressure. <laughs> real quick. So I want to talk about your book, Blackout. Like, so, so, what was the inspiration behind the Blackout? For my forty years in the music business. Well, uh, the real story is I had a deal with Harper Collins books like seven years before I put out. Matter of fact, it was ten years before I put out Blackout. Okay. I had a book deal, got a six-digit advance. It was called the same songs, Paola, Power, and Corruption in the Music Industry. Okay. I handed the book in to Harper Collins, knew it was a great book, and had the right edits. And they freaked because Harper Collins was owned by Sony BMG. Oh, and wow. a lot of the stories that I was telling from BET in the record industry were Clive Davis and Arista and RCA and part of their label. To make a long story short, they told me to keep my advance and they could hold on to the rights of the book for seven years. Okay. And then after seven years, I could put out a book on my own. So that's what I came out with Blackout. And Blackout, the title of the book is, uh, Blackout means a temporary loss of consciousness. Right. And I think we lost our consciousness as black folks because for so long, music was our soul and our inspiration from right. slave ships to, you know, and, and I've just, you know, chronicled it in my mind from, you know, working in college in the 80s and the 90s and the right. BETs and the AOLs and and just journaling. And I, I wanted to write a book from the inside out about the music industry because we have truth. so many <laughs> false dreams and right. put some real truth. We always have these star books. You know, Steve Stout has this great book. And, you know, like Steve Stout started United Masters right. and Own Your Own Masters. But, like... <laughs> Why should I trust Steve Stout if he was the guy signing everybody <laughs> to these corrupt deals? Like if you read Steve Stout on United Masters homepage, right. if you go to sign up, read terms of use. Right. They have first right of refusal. You can't get loose for 10 months if you sign, if you go up on United Masters. So you really don't own your stuff and people have lost deals by being there. So this do your research and this don't, go with the best marketing plan and look, look at the hand that feeds you, you know, it's, and we get so caught up, you know, I'd rather be first at doing something than thinking that, you know, it's going to come from Diddy and nothing against (laughs) Diddy, but you know, we have these aspirations that are this so monumental now, you know? Right. And I think, and and Paul, so I have a young lady that I work with who I'm really, I'm really a fan of, and I'm really supportive. And, you know, she's probably going to get mad that I'm telling the story. But, she, you know, she asked me the other day, she said, like, are you a star? Do I think, do I think she's a star? I told her, no. I said, I don't think you're a star. I think you're a great talent. I think it's okay with being a great talent, right? Mm-hmm. If you know what you're doing, you can make a living being a great talent, right? And, and I think, like you said, everybody, Paul, you know this, everybody can't be stars. Everybody's just not enough. Everybody and, and there's so many ways we can do it. The best singer on the planet, hands down, is named Rochelle Farrell. 
If you haven't heard of Rochelle Farrell, she hasn't had an al album out in 20 years, six and a half octave range. She yeah. tours the world, makes millions of dollars. But she said after record companies, when she had a deal, she had two records on Capitol. She thought she was getting ripped off. And she's been putting on great shows for the last 22 years. Yeah. And nobody can touch it. So there's so many ways to beat this system. I agree, and man. Until we get outside this box that we always think we got to do it like little baby and everywhere right. else. And, and even though she might not be a superstar, she's a star. You know, the other <laughs> night I was on uh, in a clubhouse room and Helen Scott was in the room. She's okay. got to be in her 70s. Okay. She was in the group the three degrees helen scott okay and they had a song when will i see you again <laughs> that went number one pop you okay. know the last 50 years she's been living in amsterdam for half of the year touring europe because she can't get a date in the u.s but it's been a great run for her you yeah. know so sometimes so i've been to amsterdam so amsterdam is cool i've been there <laughs> oh okay know. Yeah, oh, I've yeah, been to six but, different countries. But, so, but that's what I mean. The yeah. world is our playground. Oh now. my god! Yeah, so, Paul, you know, people, yeah. people, and I say this is that when you go across the pond, right? And you, especially being black, let's get, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. When you're black and you're like us, and you go to Europe, they treat you way different over there than they yeah. do over here, and it's way better, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> and so. With a lot of a lot of these artists that I work with, they've they, they've never been outside the country, so they don't understand. Or the state sometimes, right? The <laughs> world is way bigger than going to being in L.A. or Atlanta or some of these. No, you may not be big. In, you may not be big in the states. You may not have a Billboard charting record, but guess what? You can tour in these other countries. Oh, uh, and, and people have been touring Europe for decades. Right. That's what really pays the money. Exactly. Even before COVID. Right. You know, the dates, uh, when you go to Europe, like they come with your CDs from 15 years ago or right. Asia. I, I managed to sister Lettucey who finally won. Oh, you did? Okay. Grammy. Yeah. I love Lettucey. Uh, and let us see. I met let us see with Shel with Rochelle Farrell years yeah. ago. She was opening for Rochelle, and awesome. I heard her voice. And Rochelle's still bad at let us see, but I started managing let us see and took her to her first deal. So that was good. But but that's what I mean. Let us see is a great vocalist, and she's never gonna be on the top of the charts. Nope. But she has a great lifestyle. You exactly. know, sunk for presidents and this. I, it it, it, it bugs me out so much when these artists only see success in one prism, right? So yeah. if you if your only goal was to be a pop star, then you need a major record company to do that. If that's the only thing you see is my only version of success, then you need a major record company. So what does that mean? That means that you're probably going to need at least half a million dollars. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I've told parents before, are you ready to take out a second mortgage on your home? Cause that's what it's going to cost. So you want to play in the big boy. If you want to play in the big leagues yeah. and you know this more than I do, Paul, you want to play. It's money. That's all it really comes down to is money. 
Uh, and uh, it's funny, Darrell. <laughs> I just got off a call earlier with a sister who I've talked to in rooms, and she sent me her daughter's video. She's been pretty great in business. Right. And now they've decided to open up a women's label, and they sent me the video. And, okay. oh, this girl is better than Beyonce. And I was like, stop. Right. Stop. <laughs> like, I've heard this all the time. Well, I got connections at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I was like, we talking about millions of dollars have been spent building. So stop thinking that it's you're going to get there by doing a great video with your cousin. Right. Like this, this, anyway, <laughs> I, I'm not going down that lane. No, but, but, it, but it, no, but it's true, man. A lot of people and it, they're like, oh, well, you're shitting on my dream. It's not about shitting on people's dreams. Like, Paul, you wrote that book so you could tell the truth, right? People come, yeah. into, people come into this industry, right? And and I want to get your take on uh, the Grammys, even though I know, but I want to get your take. We'll talk about that here in a second. But people come into this business, right? Most people come in. Oh, I can sing. Oh, I can. Oh, that's a great performance. I can do that. What they didn't understand is that a lot of times you're seeing the finished product. You're not seeing the thing that started from nothing. Yeah. See, yeah, nobody wants to do that. They they just yeah. get the end result. The old industry was you didn't see the finish. You saw you saw the polished product. That's what they what they wanted you to see. Now with the internet, now they want to see the grind. Mm. Why? Because people invested to the relationship, and that's the thing that's changed. But I think that people don't really understand what it really means to be in this game. Okay. And there's levels to it. Everybody can't be the top. It's like basketball. Everybody, LeBron, everybody's not Kevin. I'm sorry. You just, yeah, uh, we, we gotta be more realistic. It's funny when I was watching the inauguration, John legend was singing, a old Nina Simone song feels good. Right. So, like I said, she wrote that song in 1965. Right. And people are still covering it now on commercials. Right. And John Legend used to be John Stevens. Right. In 1999, he opened for Lettucey at SOBs. Yeah. And I met him and he was bad. He was more like a Gil Scott Heron. Oh, yeah. And here it is 22 years later. Of course, he's top on, uh, you know, on top of the world. But I just remember him because he was the first guy who had an email list in 1999. Oh, he wow. took my email and he was doing work and he was a talented musician. And his grind, you know, took years to make. But that's uh, what people don't understand, the hard work behind the scenes. You know, he was booking his own shows, opening up for anybody. And, you know, hey, if if you get a chance to, you don't have to get my book, this Google blackout on C-SPAN. They gave me 90 minutes from D.C. It's up there in the archives, and it's the most honest discussion about the music industry from, you know, and it's all not good stories. It's about getting fired and getting picked up and lifted yeah. up and, right. and and getting confused and being part of the system and learning. Exactly. Exactly. Quick note. I want to in the radio. You, you know Terry Bello? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's my guy. Okay. Yeah. Te- yeah. What's, 
Yeah. Yeah. Terry, I went to his his conference, the first conference I ever went to, the International Soul Music Summit. Okay. In 2009. Well, yeah. Terry is a big fan of me, and he's like, like Dora, I, I rock with you, man. And, and Terry, Terry and I have a lot of honest conversations because Terry's helped a lot of people. Terry behind the scenes yeah. has done a lot of amazing things too. And I'm going to get him on my podcast, but I was like, man, I'm pretty sure you guys probably know each other, but Terry, Terry's a good dude. I call him big yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah. Ter- Ter- Terry, I, I call him like I used to be a hothead. Uh, and I had to calm, t- calm him down because he was a hothead. Yeah. And I said, no, that's my title, bro. You can burn <laughs> yourself out. I, I remember when I met him in Atlanta and uh, we had a long talk and I was like, yeah, because he had a heart attack and he was, you know. Yeah, yeah, he was sick. Yeah. The, the industry take you. Yeah, you he, know? yeah. And, we had conversations about that because pretty what we were talking about was how many people he knows behind the scenes and what he's, what he was able to do. I won't name names on the podcast because, you know, I don't know who's going to watch, listen to this later on, but you know, Terry's had his hands on a lot of different artists over the course of their careers. And so, like he said, and I know how, I know how tough it is to put on a conference. And it's just like, he felt like everybody was basically just taking it, taking from him, taking, and that's why he stopped the conference. And I think he wants to bring it back, but, you know, hopefully he does because it was a good conference. Yeah. I mean, had, yeah, you know, he had um, Eric Robeson there and and Victor Duplass and Calvin Richardson and a lot of people in the soul music community. You know, and, and really good dude, really great guy. So I did. I figured you guys knew each other. So I wanted to to definitely mention that on the podcast. Let's um, get on the Grammys before I bounce out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the Grammys and then and then uh, we'll let you get out of here. So. It's interesting because I was I was I was on a Facebook thread and somebody was talking about just how the, the Grammys have become softcore porn. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, man, what they said, and, and I'm all about telling our stories, but the balance is really out of whack. Like we saw a strip show on CBS the other night, right? And they would only let that happen with black and brown people, like. Right. That's the, fact. The, the Cardi and Megan performance yeah. was, you know, Magic City in 98. You know, it was just <laughs> yeah. with lights on. And, and we've come, you know, and I look at this big picture and I know people say, oh, it's women's lib and all this. And, you know, but they're, they're letting us show, you know, just the most basic part. And there were some good things that happened during the Grammys, little baby and some of the statements about social justice that some of the artists were making. But I had a whole problem with, with Cardi and Megan's song when it came out. Right. And, 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 and the power that labels put behind certain messages. Yeah. And, and you know the Grammys. The Grammys is the Grammys. You know. Yeah, I think it's broken. I, I man. They gotta I, fix I it. I don't respect the Grammys. Yeah. Like, yeah. here's my summary of this year's Grammys. Blue <laughs> Ivory won a Grammy. <laughs> now, now, how can you trust? And she's a beautiful young baby, and I know her. But how does she win a Grammy? Right. Come right. on. Right. You know. So how can I trust anything else? Like Grammys, somebody, the, it's it's broken, man. The Grammys is broken. They have to fix it. It is 
It's broken. It's a broken system. You know, it's a popularity it's the contest. American system. Yeah. You know, it's the system where money wins. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and Jay, Jay and Bay can play that role and get, you know, Grammys, you know, so it's okay. But I never looked at Grammys as that serious anyway. I know yeah, me too. I, I've always art. told artists, and I guess this is me because I work at the independent music scene. The Grammys don't, I mean, at least these days, it doesn't validate. It doesn't validate your artistry. It does, in my opinion. You know, I'm just speaking yeah. on Darrell's opinion, take it or leave it. But it doesn't validate the artistry of are you are, are you respected because you have won a Grammy or are you or not respected? You know, I'm like, look, Grammys are what it's politics. You know, it's a lot of that goes on. A lot of BS yeah. goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. when it comes to Grammys. Man. But let's talk about the good part. OK, the good part was Bruno and Anderson. Oh, yes. Doing leave the door open. A, a real true R&B song that there are plenty of R&B songs out here. Yeah. But since Bruno Mars did it, all so, the pop stations are playing it. It just so, went number one. So I it's going to open up some doors to some true artists. What do you think about people say Bruno Mars's cultural appropriation to black music? Look, <laughs> he he's earned it. You I know? think so. You're right. Yeah, he's earned it, you know, so trust me, he's not a white boy. Right. So he had to earn it, too, you know, with the name Bruno. And I know some of the stories, so I respect him. And I know that he takes he doesn't have bad records or stupid images. No, you know, he's taking his time. When was the last record? Four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Four years ago when it. That's what I like in all them joints. Yeah. So, it, you know, he's a smart guy and he's making great music and trying different things. Like nobody else was going to put Anderson Pac down. No. Nope. And Anderson's a beast on his own. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's yeah. doing 75 grand a show by himself and selling out. Yep. You know, but to put those two singing a, a love song. Yeah. With harmonies and melodies and dancing and a song that you can actually close your eyes to and enjoy. Remember, music was that. It wasn't right. a visual forever. Right. It was uh, w- where an artist took you. Right. And then created emotion. More and it created like, emotion. It created like music. I've always yeah. said we're in a, you're in an emotional business. Okay. When you're doing music, it's all about emotion. If it doesn't evoke emotion, Good or bad, it's probably not a great song. Yeah. You know, so no doubt. Paul, yeah. man, I appreciate you coming and joining me today on the podcast. Before we leave out of here, how can people get connected to you? Uh if they want to touch you know, touch base and everywhere at Music Biz U. I got an app. It's iOS and Android Music Biz U on IG, on Twitter, on Clubhouse, Music Biz U. I answer everybody back. I believe everybody's important and it's okay to build. Like I'm going to learn something from you. Like I don't go into conversations like, let me share this. Every conversation I have a purpose for. Right. I don't call people this to say, yo, my nigga, what's up? You know, (laughs) And, and, and maybe I do, but any new conversation, I'm trying to leverage something or find out something that's going to take me somewhere. Absolutely. You know, 
And it doesn't have to be today. It can be two two years down the line if I call Darrell and you'll be like, damn, Paul's always cool with me. Oh, checking yeah. up on me. Or sometimes I'll know when to plug somebody into a situation. Yep. Yep. So let's yep. all start building more. Yes. Let's all start talking more. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Try man. it. This is pe- like, this is get people. out of your circle. Like right. there are people that are going really help you to get better. And, and last thing before I go, I go to colleges now and I had to find out the right thing to talk about to make okay. money. What problem do I solve? So the topic that really caught me was this thing called the E-ratio. Okay. There's a study out now. Everybody spends all their time on their mobile phones. Everything's okay. mobile, you know, and the E-ratio is the amount of time we spent consuming entertainment versus education. Right. So the average person spends 50 minutes on their phone on entertainment and one minute on education. Right. The average black or brown person spends 200 minutes on entertainment and one minute on education. Wow. So if we can use these phones to educate ourselves more, which all the information is there. Yeah. And stop watching everybody else profit. Once we change that variable, but we don't look at our phones like learning tools. Right. We look at it as social media. That's why I sort of enjoy Clubhouse, because I learned something listening to my, you know, conversation. It might be sensitivity. It might be love. It might be pain. It doesn't always have to be about the music, but that's all I want. Please just educate yourself. And the sooner you learn how to take control of time management, you will see your life speed up. And and do I regret I didn't do something sooner? Because I'm telling you, 20 to 40 takes a long time, but 40 to 60 comes like that. And then you're thinking about retirement and then your kids are asking for this. And you're doing and it comes up real quick. So let's all try to prepare. And if God blesses us all, we'll be here for a long time, but we'll be ready. And then I won't have to be shooting little knuckleheads trying to break in my house. I'd rather teach you so you can come bring the old man some food or visit me at the 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 old folks home soon. I got you, Paul, man, man. Like I said, man, thank you so much, guys. This has been the Encouragers by our podcast. And I'm your host, Darrell Peart. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.